Yes, indeed, there is a war going on. Thank you, Father God, for the war that you have protected us in it, that you've already won it. You've won the battle. The battle belongs to you. So today I pray that you secure each one of your warriors with peace and covering. We are covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that we would rest in the fullness of that completed work. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord God, that the enemy cannot snatch the truth out of our minds and hearts, that it would be rightly divided. We plead your blood over the words and the perceptions of those words that are communicated today throughout this broadcast, that the enemy will not be able to switch or snatch or uh, cause them to be uh, scattered, Father, like the, the birds eating up the word of God in the parable. I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful to complete the work you've begun in us. And even when it doesn't look good, it's great, because all things work together for good to those who love God. And you are good, and you are great, and you are faithful to keep your word and to finish the work you've begun in us. So today I'm asking, Lord God, that we'd rightly divide your holy word of truth, that we'd be encouraged, Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, and that you lead us in your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, what are we talking about today? Amen. Well, a lot of different things, but we're continuing going through the book of Mark and, you know, the question, who is the greatest? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who yeah. Who am I? But then, Isn't there then a it show gets like to that? be the thing of who is the greatest. I remember years ago, Muhammad Ali, who was known as Cassius, Cassius Clay at first, would go around and say, I am the greatest. Yeah, well. And, and he was proclaiming His greatness. own goodness. And and but the we're going to talk today about, about yeah. the greatness and who we are and uh, and feeling a little insecure I think sometimes about who we are and uh, you know really a lot of who we are is we use the improper means of determining that we our definitions are based on um, pr- other people's opinions a criteria that is not qualified to be criteria in the kingdom of God. We, we base our, our, our worth and value uh, on um, what we do, how well it turns out, right. what people are saying about it. So let's look into the word and see how Jesus handles this question of who do you think you are and how great are you? Who's greatest? Well, in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 37, we hear Jesus, then Jesus came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, that he's asking his disciples, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? So they were having this discussion, this little argument, but they kept silent. Oh, We're, we're the, in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. They realized there was conviction. They were, they were feeling embarrassed. Why? Because on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down. Now, Jesus didn't just chew him out or anything right there. No. He waited. He waited. To, he didn't. He heard the conversation on the road. Mm-hmm. He knew what they were talking about, but he asked them to admit what they were talking about, and he doesn't address it. He gets them alone in the house in Capernaum, which is basically the ministry headquarters yeah, yeah. of Jesus. Uh, he sat down, called the 12, okay, called just those guys. He says, Listen, let me explain this. To you. He didn't say, well, you, you turkeys, you know, what? how come you're so proud and everything? Mm-hmm. But he says, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all 
and servant of all. Then he took a little child, could have been one of Peter's kids, who knows, and set him in the midst of them. And uh, when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So the world defines success or greatness, uh, you know, by what wealth, if you got a lot of money, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're if famous, you're well recognized people, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, everybody knows your name. If you're admired for your business acumen or for your looks or for your athletic skill. Uh, but people sig- can also be defined, honey, by, by bad attributes like oh, yeah. bullying well, and uh, deception and treachery and control. So <clears throat> we're yeah. defined by, in a way, by what we do. Right. Like what is the, what the heart is full of? Most speaks, and that determines a lot of how people respond to you, which be, begins to build that case, that character, that identification, definition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of who you are. Um, so, and, and sometimes you know the achievements. You know, yeah, you can be famous and not respected. Famous, you know. Well, there's all kinds of proverbs of that talks about that. A better, a good name is better to be distru- desired than riches. Great etc. riches. Can, yeah. Can I read this same passage in Matthew? Matthew it's 18. Kind of, yeah, Matthew 18, starting with verse one. And at that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, "Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, "Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted." And become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Two ex- interesting words here that are not in that other passage in, Mar- in Mark. When you are converted and the word humbles himself, um, I think this is the fear of uh, every human being that I will be humiliated that I will be embarrassed, that I'll be made to look stupid, that people will uh, laugh at me. And so that is a big demonic resistance to any idea of humbling ourselves and becoming then vulnerable to the accusations and criticisms of, the, of other people. So a lot, can, of t- a lot of times what we do is we feel like we're not as good as. And so we are what, what we do, we that. compare ourselves with others. Or even with ourselves and our own expectations of what we should be doing right. by now in this time in our life. We should be a millionaire by 29 years old, whatever. We're, we're, we're always you know, trying to strive and set ourselves up. We're not abiding. We're striving to be something. And the, the, the trick and the joke is that we already are. We already are all of those things. It's now just a matter of, of you know, all those things are already imbar- buried in treasures inside of you that your life is, the Spirit of God is working to bring out of you, not to add to you to bring out, as we abide in Christ Jesus, his grace, his goodness, his wisdom, instruction, bring those things out of us. But conversion is a big word here. What does that really mean, to con- be converted? He said that to Peter, too. He said, um, and when, when you know, Peter, uh, G- Jesus warned Peter that Satan had come to sift him as wheat, was going to come, and that Jesus had prayed for him, and Jesus said, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Uh, there there has to be obviously some sort of humiliation conversion process to switch over from being uh in the natural man great and defining yourself by who you by what you do what people say about you and converting yourself to that place of 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 death where 
and where you don't care what people are, you know, how they're defining you because you know who you are. You know who you are in truth and you're, you're happy with that. You're okay with that. You're not trying to be someone else. Jealousy is trying to be someone else or have someone else's stuff because you want their stuff because somehow you think having their stuff or being them will make you better because jealousy is all about insecurities. Insecurity is about, um, I don't like myself. I want what you have. It's not fair, you know, it, and, and it sends strife and quarreling into the into the. Well, it, it starts, in, you know, in childhood. We see little kids, you know, they want to be... Oh yeah, the hero fireman. They want to <laughs> yeah. be a superhero. Uh, they want to be Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Superman. Um, Spider Man. Spider Man. All the all the men. All the and heroes. The women, heroes. And, and See, Wonder it's Woman. All about you know, heroes. Yeah. Being a hero, but there's something that that it, it, it catches a child's imagination of something who they could be. Now, is that necessarily wrong to have well, an ambition <laughs> no. to uh, be something to do do something? See, we get it mixed up. We think in order to um, be something, we have to do something. Correct. In the other, in the kingdom of God, it's what you are, and then it's what you do. It's out of being comes abiding. Uh, out of out being, being comes and abiding, abiding comes a doing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, going back to your question, is it wrong to have aspirations or to think of yourself as a fireman or a cowboy or a, uh, you know? But but the the interesting thing is that the idea of being a hero, of being a, a rescuer, a savior. Someone who is um, good, someone who does good things, someone who is loved. Who for, does amazing things. Yeah. <laughs> this power, this is very intriguing to us. I think it's always been intriguing. And even adults are intrigued by the idea of being the next greatest whatever athlete or inventor or known for something or other. Um, but this, why is this? Because this, why is this? Because this is there. This is part of the divine nature of God to put his greatness in us and his desire to be good, his desire to be helpful, to save, to protect, to uh, deliver people. It's, it's the warrior spirit is in us already because God is a warrior. Okay, what about this, this warrior spirit? Say, say it's in... It's in every child. There's yeah. that because we're what made in the nature and image, image of, of God, God, who is a warrior, who mm-hmm. who is a warrior. The Lord is a mighty warrior. Mm-hmm. So, for uh, achievement, for doing good, for doing great things, but what happens? Uh, children, you know, have these ideas, and I mean, I think all of us can look at you know, growing up, we had the idea we wanted to do this and right. this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And we ended up doing something totally different. Mm-hmm. But what what happens though when a a person, they have that desire for something, greatness. And it might be what God has even designed them and built them and to called do. them mm-hmm. to do, mm-hmm. but then things happen where that gets all thwarted. Well, that's we really, about that really discouraging because if you know, it says train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So that way is not just, you know... Uh, disciplining on the outside to keep certain set of rules or, or cultural rules or it is it's identifying it's discovering in that child their gifts their talents their abilities children are not all the same and when we try to you know you've got two three kids four kids you try to make them all the same first of all that is that is a fatal flaw for a parent to try to compare them with each other right. one may be a great organizer and a great planner and and you know very fastidious and do, does their homework and gets it done on time, and the next child is, like, creative, all over the place, you know. More random. Random, dramatic. <laughs> and and, and they've, got, yeah. they've, got, they've got different gifts. <clears throat> but when a child, let's just say 
they're placed in a very difficult situation. Maybe it's an abusive situation where the parents are very distracted with their own addictions and their own demons, and they're not able to raise that child or nurture that child uh, in the truth. And or even probably worse yet, they give them a double message. They tell the child to do one thing, and, they, and the child sees the parent doing the opposite thing. Um, and, and so you have this double message, this hypocrisy that sets up in the kid, in the kids, it sets up a resentment and a bitterness. But when they are distracted into just plain old, I've got to survive this this childhood of mine, I've got to survive this family, there is no instruction, no encouragement, no praise, no direction, uh, no reinforcement of the gift or the way that they should go. And so kids without direction um, have no destiny. They don't really, they don't go from point A to point B because they, there is no point B uh, to go to because they're not helped in defining who they are. Whereas children who are nurtured and appreciated and, and celebrated and wanted uh, and not that you have to spoil them. This is not talking about spoiling them. Sometimes, you know, we spoil them because we're lazy. We spoil them because we feel guilty. We want to, you know, give them things that we didn't have as a child. And so to, to, to satisfy our own desire for those things that we didn't get as a child, we give them to them and we don't let them go through the natural process of struggling. Going through the birth canal is an interesting uh, journey. Because you have you leave this nice, safe, little, hopefully safe, but not always safe <clears throat> world, very protected and very, um, you know, isolated, except for the uniting the information and the exchanges with the mother. But now you go through a birth canal, which isn't easy, you know. And so then there's a little struggle to get into the, at that threshold, to get into the, the next world. Outside the world. outside world, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with the same with growing the children. They, they don't it you can't just hand it all to them. But going back to because then other things come in like I deserve this, I'm entitled. And I think this what we're having right now is a very entitled and spoiled generation because we have not we've been selfish as parents. We've not want to take the time to take our time from ourselves and from our pursuits to go ahead and teach them that greatness means you become the servant of all. Ultimately, the goal is for to become secure enough in yourself to become a servant. Well, what about a child? Say they're very, very gifted in a certain area, okay, and they begin to develop in that area. Now, really, these things need to be done in, under the watchful eye of a parent, ideally, of parents, you know, mother and father. To, yeah. to train up a child in the way that he should go, not the way that we think they should go, right. not to conform them into our image and right. our idea of what they should be. But if we recognize that there is a gifting, there is a, um, say, say someone that, say maybe we have a child that's just, just goes around the house from the time they were talking, they go around singing, 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 singing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, there's a gift there. There's a, there's a yeah. calling there. There's an anointing there. Well, so so they develop, and maybe they get into a, a school play or a church program, but then somehow there's jealousy that comes in from other kids. Um, mm-hmm. There's attack, different kinds of attacks that come against the, the, that yeah. gift, mm-hmm. and they get frustrated and they get discouraged with it. Let's. Can you talk well, to us about that? Yeah, a that's bit? a good example, but there's a million examples right. of where you know a child may be gifted in an area, and what a couple of things that happen immediately, Satan begins to roll out a campaign against that to child. Thwart that child, yeah. And thwart but, that but going gift. back to the very, very before that, the, the the idea, the concept, the origin, the origin, the or, the original place, the ori- place of origination, the beginning, 
the, the source of this gift or this calling is from God himself because God is the one who puts you together. He's the one who made you. He's the one who designed you. And he also put <clears throat> inside of us each special uh, desires, aptitudes, gifts, abilities, whether it's intellectual or, or creative, whatever it is, God has done this. God is the one who has placed this sacred gift there. And because the sacred gift is there, it becomes a target. It becomes a place where Satan wants to thwart it. So what happens is when you start to see a child with a gift, let's just say you are an attentive parent. All of a sudden, several things begin to happen in you and in them. There's a war going on. Satan begins to build up in you, for example. Oh, well, you're just, you're just um, uh, proud. You, you just want things for your child that, that aren't, you're, you're being selfish. You're being jealous. You're being, you know, you want your child to do better than everybody else. So you're, you're being accused of being, um, I don't know, prejudiced or whatever. And the second thing is the child will begin to be attacked <clears throat> with comparing themselves with others or being jealous. And then a lot, I know a lot of, in my counseling, a lot of these kids that have gone through school, for example, they're beautiful, they're intelligent, and they're sometimes I can think of a couple of them, and most they were women. And they were just put down, they were criticized, they were berated until they grow up thinking they can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and here they, they're very gifted to be architects, or they're gifted to be musicians, or they're gifted to be uh, you know, lawyers and attorneys. And yet they come and they think that they've believed lies and lies and lies that have stacked all over and buried their gift. So there, there isn't really all-out war against the God-given gifts and abilities of people. Yeah. Uh, so, so the thing is, too, it's sometimes there's a it's it's either and the to, war is because it's from God. These e- gifts are from right, God. Right. Either to crush it mm-hmm. and thwart it, and just in a sense take it out, mm-hmm. or to twist it. Yeah. To, or, to or, divert it. Do you mean so some, you know, some people have a great gift of, uh, you know, you know, acting or music or something like that. And what happens? Mm-hmm. They get into. They start out maybe in church, and that's true of a lot of contemporary. Musicians, artists, for musicians, sure. they've started out in church and they end up singing some of the most vile kinds of things right. uh, in, the, in, in, in a well, worldly, uh, evil kind of way. Well, not just musicians, but what happens just an is example, the, the person's gifting is their place of anointing, whatever it is. You've got a, you've got a gifting in your, you've you got a gift, you've got a talent. Everybody got at least one or two. Maybe some people got five. That's between them and God. <clears throat> but wherever your gifting is, that is the place where the enemy begins to steal the anointing and use it for his own purposes. Mm-hmm. Have you not seen that in churches? Yeah, I, I've seen it. You see it in churches. You see it among young people, older people. Because the were, people who are dead and lack zeal rec- and don't have the abilities <clears throat> are using these young people and using the... Um, uh, their anointings to promote their cause. There's, they're using the zeal, the the freshness, the innocence, the excitement of the child, for example, to promote their own dead uh, works. The enemy, mm-hmm. the the adults, and so a lot of times these kids are used like that. They get into their singing in the church. Satan sees their talent, and he begins to entice them, seduce them, send deceivers after them, who will give them money, promote them. Because as we see, here's the problem. Out. <clears throat> these these guys in in Matthew and Mark, these disciples following Jesus, they were the m- most called 
people of the 12, uh, 12, 12, yeah, called people in the world at that time, called by God, um, assigned by God, identified to be the carriers of the, of the church, the message of Jesus Christ. And, and you, you, would, you would think from looking at them, okay, they're Jewish people, Jewish guys, um, fishermen, right? Mm-hmm. So you have fishermen, you have, what, tax collectors? Right. Um, you well, know, you have all kinds. Of, you have even some zealots in there. Ze- some. You have revolutionaries yeah. in there. But the thing is, these guys did not know who they were. They had been trained by the Roman Empire and by their own culture to believe that they were just this, this, or this, that they were nothing great, nothing special. Because if they knew that they were really special <clears throat> and the call that God had given them, they wouldn't have even had this discussion because they would have known that, you know, I am now it's the it's the it's the message. It's the it's the importance of the message. It's not um, it's the, it's humbling myself, being uh, humbled to have this great uh, privilege bestowed upon me to be called one of the apostles. But at that time, they're just working through their own emotional junk and thinking still that they would be. They could compare themselves, get a better position. So in their definition, positions, they were taught by their culture, a position equals greatness. Caesar had, had a position. Herod had a position. The people who had positions had greater uh, control. They had greater uh, acknowledgement. They had more money. They were more looked upon. Uh, even though some of them were hated, they were still known, and there was they, they had a notability about them. So these guys really were still defining themselves under the old uh, demonic world system. Well, what Jesus is bringing across, and we see it a little bit ahead here, because this issue came up, you know, it came up again you uh-huh. know, with the disciples of, of like who is the greatest, and I think it's in Mark Matthew eighteen where um, uh, they wanted they wanted greatness. Mom wanted it. I think it's Matthew eighteen. I, I could be wrong on that, <clears throat> but where where the mother of James and John. Mm-hmm. comes and says, hey, can can my boys sit one on the right hand, one on the left hand? Mm-hmm. I mean, I want my boys to have position, power. She was desiring greatness for her kids. Mm-hmm. And right? she was using and, her position because she was actually Jesus's aunt. Yeah, yeah. John, James and John, uh, John's... And they were like cousins. Sons of Zebedee. They were cousins, James Zebedee and Zebedee was their father, and their mother was um, uh, one of Jesus's mom's sisters. Yep. But it's, he says, you know, so... Um, they wanted to sit on the right hand, on the left, and Jesus said, you know, uh, that's really not mine to give. Mm-hmm. That's that's determined by it, for whom it is prepared. And he says that, that really is not the point. And he, he, the point he's making in these verses, it, in Mark 10, um, 42 uh, through 45, but Jesus called them to himself. There again. So he just has this private conversation mm-hmm. with them. Very smart, right? <clears throat> Talks to his guys. He said, you know, th- those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. I mean, look at, he's, he's looking at the, uh, the world's view of greatness. Mm-hmm. It's the one that's in charge. That's what It's the yeah. one that's uh, the top dog, the one that's up there. That's what we aspire to, to be the best, the top of the heap, but he said, they're, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So in the Gentiles' world here, you lord it over, you exercise authority. How many people are working in my company? How many people are under me? That, that mentality. 
But then oh. Jesus just Jesus goes right in the face of this. <clears throat> and he says, yet, verse 43, Mark 10, mm-hmm. yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you mm-hmm. shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, although he, you know, he was served, right? He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he's saying that the way up, the way to the top, mm-hmm. is is to go down to the bottom to be the servant. He seeks to save and his you life. And find mm-hmm. you find greatness in being. You find the highest place in, in taking the lowest place. Well, and he even said parables about that, where you come into the, the banquet and you take the, the f- head tables or you sit near the head table, and then the, the, the host of the banquet co- pushes you to the back and says, this was reserved for someone else, it, rather than being elevated. Take the lowest place. Take the lowest place. But going back to this idea of a children as well, he Jesus is using children here. We think children, well, they're just nuisance. They're a pest. They're just... In the way they're not important, just you know, get 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 rid of them, deal with them, and yet he goes on in Matthew, uh, in eighteen, he says, "But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it were better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned into the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offense, for offenses must come, but woe to the man who by whom those offenses come." So he's the children are by far the most vulnerable them and old people, of course, and, and uh, people with disabilities. but And so they're easy. It's easy to stamp on them, trample over them, uh, take advantage of them. And yet in our culture, and we must not turn a blind eye to this, and this really is off the subject, so bear with me a minute, but um, we have trampled, violated, and used the children because we see them as, as nothing, as... Uh, you know, unimportant, uh, and and they have been used. Their little lives have been given human sacrifices, abortions, um, uh, pedophilia, all of these things that we have done to this this class of people, this children class, and it, it, they have been violated and abused, and many of them killed. Hundreds and hundreds and millions and millions of them have been killed throughout the, the centuries. Not just now, but this is a tr- this is a mm-hmm. an ongoing assault on right of human today. human sacrifice, today. and the sacrifices move forward. Satan uses the blood; he needs he needs blood. He, the life of the flesh is in the blood, so we're flesh, and we have life in our blood. So, if he can get someone else to take that life from us and give it to him in in worship or sacrifice or in a violation and, and a defrauding of that child's life, then he that builds up his uh, power, his abilities to do the next horrible um, campaign against the human race. So Jesus is saying it's better that a millstone were hung around their neck and they were drowned in the depths of the sea. I don't think we really comprehend that, but when we're talking about greatness, the last shall be first, the first shall be last. He draws a child to him. He says, this is what greatness looks like right here. There's purity, there's innocence, there's potential, there's life there's youth, there's hope, there's joy, there's curiosity, there's pleasure, there's delight. These are precious, and Satan hates anything like that's that beautiful. Innocence, yeah. That he hates innocence completely, and so the more innocent, the more delightful 
it is for him to kill them. And when we think of Jesus here taking this little child and putting the child in the midst of them to, to, to bring forth this teaching, the word child there means it's like a baby, like a baby or a toddler. Mm-hmm. So he's not taking like a 12-year-old, or even though they're precious, or a 10-year-old, mm-hmm. but he's taught, he's showing a, a little an infant or a, a toddler. Because, yeah. The preciousness. Because they're a miracle. They're an absolute, oh. undescribable, can, nobody can explain how this happens. It's just so dynamic and so incredible. There's no way evolution could have evolved all of these codes and DNA and systems and imparted all of these characteristics through this process we call uh, gestation, yeah. preg- pregnancy, and, and God, whatnot. God, uh, unless the grace of God intercepts these individuals mm-hmm. that are murdering and abusing and hum- doing this human trafficking that's going on right now, unless the mercy and grace of God intercepts them and they receive Jesus and re- truly repent, their judgment is going to be extremely heavy before God. Well, their is, destruction yeah. is sure <laughs> and great. Like a millstone, millstone was something that weighed hundreds and hundreds of pounds. It's probably three, four feet across and about a foot thick that they used to grind grain. You tie that around somebody's neck, you take them out in a boat, and and you know throw them overboard, attached to that thing. They're gone. They're done. That's a very severe mm-hmm. thing because God is a holy God and so righteous, right. and it's a very, very severe, serious thing. We've got we in America. We've got blood all over our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're 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 going to be severely judged as a nation because of like fifty, sixty some millions mm-hmm. of babies that we have murdered. Well, and the thing, the ones that we are still abusing today with human trafficking mm-hmm. and and people too that are pedophile rings. You know, uh, may child God pornography, just expose all that them stuff. and bring them God to the light. Is, may God and expose the mercy it. Mercy may God expose it, and my, may God severely mm-hmm. judge that because He will. So, aside, so on this aside, we encourage you to not lose heart over these vile, wicked, uh, murderous things, because this is the God of the of this world, and He runs this world the way He wants, and He puts in power the people He wants in power because He favors them with His demonic blessings. And he judges and curtails and cuts off and corners and obstructs the people of God. Now, don't go and get weary over this. This is the war. This is the snake pit. This is what it it is because Satan has set it up this way. But what we are called to do as people of God is to, number one, repent ourselves of any kind of thing we have, including our own insecurities that have caused us to compare ourselves with other people or even that that we think it's it's, uh, humility to put ourselves down. I, you know, it's, it's not, not, you know, you think it's the opposite of vanity to put yourself down and make you feel, um, you know, Oh, I'm so, you know, I'm nothing. I'm, you know, stop it. You're not anything like that. You are who God says you are. And, and don't agree with the devil that you're nothing. And don't agree with the devil that you're all lit in a bag of chips. What you need to do is just be who you are in Christ Jesus. And, and that requires that we die to the old mindsets, the old demonic body of death operating software and programming. But let us, as people of God, first of all, examine ourselves and repent and say, you know, Lord, your word is true, and I've neglected your word, and I've, I've misjudged you, I've, I've, I've blamed you, I've, uh, I've circumvented your word, I've, I've misunderstood it, or I've deliberately followed people who are Uh, not rightly dividing the word of God, forgive me, release me from those judgments and get into the place of not reasoning, 
and making excuses, but into the place of repenting and saying, Lord, you're right. So you confess then, once you repent, we can confess the sins of our nation, uh, sins, the atrocities, the hate, the, the criticisms, the bitterness, the double standards, the, the absolutely Romans, uh, if you want a picture of it, look at Romans 1, chapter 1, verses 20 and on, or thereabouts, 16 and on, how that God had turned them over to a debased mind. They're not even doing things that make sense. It's, they've lost their reasoning. They've lost their this common sense. They've lost their logic. And yes. so therefore, all of these things, then it appears to be the things that are vile appear to be holy, and the things that are holy appear to be vile. This is the switch. This is the twist. This is what the spirit of perversion does. To, per- to pervert means to twist. Mm-hmm. It twists the truth. It twists our, ident- our identity. It twists innocence. It twists the story. And so people are beginning to believe the lie because if you speak the lie, if you speak the lie enough, people begin to believe it. They don't check sources anymore. They're, and the only mm-hmm. source book you can go back to is the Word of God. Exactly. So we begin to confess those sins and forgive those people. This is the only way that our nation will be uh, pre- protected and and turned back from the great judgment that awaits us. And a lot of us are at the place, you know, even from childhood, we're put under pressure to prove our greatness. Right. To exactly. prove that we're important, that we're special. People, you know, you know, education, you know, hard work, manipulation, oh, our whole system. E- even tapping into evil spiritual resources, into witchcraft, <laughs> control, wands, and all these wizards, kinds yeah. of things. So we can prove Promote. our greatness. You know, I've got my doctorate degree, or I've worked so hard, or I've, well, just I've think clawed about... my way to the top, stuff like that. So we, we do that. We try to prove our greatness because we do not know who what our intrinsic Nature. greatness is, mm-hmm. what, what, yeah. who we really are, created in the likeness and image yeah. of God. And as, we, as we've come to know Christ, mm-hmm. uh, we're, 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 we're called, we're anointed, and he we're gives blessed. And he gives us grace to know who we are going back to what you just said you know this begins in in it begins in infancy it begins the moment you arrive this whole system is set up for you to take responsibility and prove yourself and so even when you're going through the the elementary school the grades and you get into the 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 different teams the sports teams for example there's nothing but competition and coaches and and it it becomes very political at times and children with great Mm -hmm. talents for example are pushed aside because their parents maybe don't have wealth or position or mm-hmm. influence, and then then they are tempted. The child is become to become bitter or think that they're not who they are. So it's a real fight for the child to maintain and the grip and hold on to who they are. The only way we can do this is through the grace and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And you said about humility, true humility. Uh, there's a little saying <laughs> from I heard years ago that humility is such a fragile thing that he who even dares to think he has it, has it not. Mm-hmm. And like we said, you know, there's this arrogance, I am the greatest a- attitude, uh, or, you or, know, the, I, or I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a dirt ball, <clears throat> I'm just I'm nothing. nothing. But yeah. I, I think a scripture that really balances that whole thing out or just puts us into the place what true humility is, mm-hmm. is, is Philippians 4.13, where Paul says, I can do all things. And you think, whoa, boy, that's that's me. arrogance. Wait a minute, let's finish it. <laughs> right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's it. So when we recognize our identity, that we is recognize strength. You know what? Th- that is strength. That when is we recognize strength. our true identity. You know, uh, you know that is our resource. That out of that revelation of our identity. Created in the likeness and image of God. Mm-hmm, image we're of God. we're you know, and we come to Christ, we're we're born again, we're new creations. 
uh, were accepted, uh, loved, redeemed. That's it. Uh, Knowing we're called loved. to to uh, the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So it, because all of life's struggle is about being loved. Mm-hmm. It really is because love is the antithesis of fear, and this world is full of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Most of the people in this world, number one, have no clue that they're loved. They have very little clue that there's a God up there, and and third, no clue that that God loves them because they're not taught to believe or know that he's a personal God, he's a heavenly father. And so people are always trying to get loved, and the opposite, they have to... Do something to be loved. Right, not to be rejected or to avoid being rejected, to be liked, to be seen as one of the gang, one of the team to see, be seen as okay. So me, most people are setting up their lives trying to think that if you say I'm okay, I'm okay. Trying to get everybody around me to like me and get me to be and say I'm okay does not make me okay with anything. What about that really is the, a snare. The Bible says what we're talking about here is fear of man. We're afraid of what other people think. We're motivated by other people's opinions of us rather than by who we know we are yes. in Christ Jesus. Well, and we come from different cultural dispositions too. And I know some of you have heard of the Yanta law. That's that's one con- a disposition, uh, territorial spirit that comes through the Scandinavian uh, bloodlines. Well, and, tell us a little bit more about what... Well, that is spelled J-A-N-T-E if you want to look it up, law. And it was actually, it came out of a desire to be um, just... And to be peace-loving, to have fairness and peace. But what Satan did with their desires for peace and fairness is turned it into passivity and uh, mediocrity. So that in their culture, they made agreements with 10 different rules that, ca- that really a- a challenged their greatness as, a, as countries as, uh, and put them in a place of great disadvantage because they're very, very gifted people. So they agreed to, to be socially reformed socialism, to socially let everybody be the same, yeah. not just the same amount of money, but the same amount of abilities and so talents and opportunities okay. and advantages. They they agreed, they even wrote these things down and put them in their liturgies in their churches, and they spoke them as congregations. And this is what they said. Thou shalt not presume that thou art anyone important. Because if you presume that you're important, will you say, well, Jesus said, you're proud. <clears throat> you know, it, it looks, it, it's half scriptural. You know, we're not supposed to go out there and, and flaunt and, and, and be, you know, our, our rights and our, uh, you know, be great. And, and I'm the, ba- the best and the greatest. But because but, it's, it's pride. But on the other side of that is also pride because I'm a, I'm, I have this false humility. That, right. <clears throat> I'm not worthy of anything. I'm not important. Thou art not important. Satan wants you to believe you're not important. Yeah, so any 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 uh, undue focus on ourselves is a form of pride. Correct. Wh- whether whether we, we put whether ourselves we down or lift ourselves up. Exactly. The second rule they agreed with is thou shalt not presume thou art as good as us. And this goes right back to comparison. It's it's always, you know, and that's what the disciples were doing. Um, who's going to be the greatest? You know, who's, well, Jesus got a couple cousins here. They maybe got a little head start and the rest of us were just, you know, no namers. But so comparing, and, and we're not as good as anybody, as them. They are better than, who in the world is they? Who, who they are, say. They say. I mean, <laughs> they, some. Who is they anyway? <laughs> who cares what they think? Three, number three, thou shalt not presume thou art any wiser than us. So to not to to deny that I have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, 
I can then participate in the ignorance of the world. So what they're saying is that everybody should be average. And ignorant. And ignorant. So, so that they're easily, they're pawns and they're uh, easily used by Satan in his So So everybody is brought make, down to a lower standard. Correct. So that everybody can be the same. Yeah. And so, so you have to be, if you're going to have socialism, basically, you have to lower everybody down to the lowest standard. Lowest common denominator. And the lowest one on the, on the bottom of the rung, and then we have to be like him or her. For, or them or it, thou shalt never indulge in the conceit of imagining thou art better than us. What this does is it destroys any vision, any creativity, any hope for your life. Because if you look at your life as being possibly you could do this, or you could go over here and excel in this, you're thinking you're better than them, and you're conceited. And so the, the, this, you know, you're not going to amount to anything because you don't dare, because you're going to be judged for being, who do you think Different. you are? Who do you think you are to, you know, think that you could go be a race car driver or something? I mean, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is. <clears throat> Number five, thou shalt not presume that thou art more knowledgeable than us. Again, we see the term us, um, that we don't know anything, that they know everything. There's some divine um, collective uh, wisdom out there that we are not um, at all close to uh, obtaining. And so we're, again, comparing ourselves and holding back because, and we're denying the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us and he's sent there to live and to lead us into all truth. Six, thou shalt not presume that thou art more than us in any way. So in other words, we're judging everybody all the time. We're being judged. We're afraid of being judged by them, and we're judging them. So everybody's, you go to church, everybody's judging you for what you're wearing, where you're sitting, uh, how you, what you did that week. <clears throat> and um, so we just keep going on with judging and fear of being judged. Number seven, thou shalt not presume that thou art more, that they're going to amount to anything. Thou shalt not presume thou art going to amount to anything. Well, there it is, a curse you put on your own life. It's never going to work. I give up. Nothing ever goes my way. Never going to amount to anything. And some parents actually say this over their kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, those that's this oh. is not just Scandinavian. Yeah, I know of some people, and probably you do too, and maybe it's happened with you. Because I know of uh, you know people that are in their sixties now mm-hmm. that are still living under that curse that their mother pronounced on them when they were like children. Yeah, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to make com- it. They were comparing. <clears throat> You know, I know of a case, yeah. two ladies, two, they were girls at the time, comparing, you know, this one is going to be this. All you'll ever be able to do is is just get married and have kids. You'll well, never be that... anybody. And, and and that has been, that that curse yeah, those has word plagued curses. this woman <clears throat> for years life. and you years know, and years. It's still plaguing her today. That shows you the power of, oh. of words, death and life and the power of the tongue. And you know what you're going to have to do if you were cursed like that as a child, you're never going to amount mm. to anything. You need to forgive that parent or that person, yes. teacher, whatever it is, <clears throat> that coach, whatever, whoever it was. Release them. Forgiveness means you release them from your judgment. You're not going to judge them. You're going to let God be the judge of them. And you're going to be the plaintiff. And you're going to present the case before God and say, God, these death words were spoken over me as a child, and I had no clue what was going on, and I didn't know what to do. But now I do. I bring this case, my case, before the high court, these words that were were pronounced over me by someone motivated by Satan to crush my life. I forgive them, and I ask you to judge the demons who did this. 
And there's a lot of negativity that comes through the bloodlines. A lot of people are thinking, well, I don't want my kid to turn out bad, so I'm going to lecture them. I'm going to threaten them. I'm going to compare them. I'm going to do, dump all this garbage on them so that they turn to the right. Well, it's not going to, it's not going to work. If you keep saying the same old dead words over a kid, that's going to be what they're going to be. They're, they're, they're going to be dead, and they're not going to say, well, I'm going to just, oh, I see, my dad really wants me to be great, so he's telling me I'm stupid and I'm never going to make it. Oh, I get that, so now I'm going to be great. They don't think that way, and you didn't either. The eighth um, rule that they so, agree, go ahead. I mean, before you get to that eighth rule, <laughs> and I just think of people in their adult life, how many people are motivated to prove or disprove the words of their father or That's mother. all they do. They live to prove their that's, dad wrong. That's, yeah, I their, live to their, prove my yeah. dad wrong. Or what they think their dad said. Sometimes what, what, yeah. parents have not said those things over you, but the devil has twisted it and perverted it and to make you... And it's into their minds. Yeah, and you think your mother is judging you. You think your father hates you, and they're not, but Satan twists it around. So it can work either way. It can be actually something they did say, or, or, or it can be something you thought they said. It doesn't matter. It works the same because you believe it's the truth, mm-hmm. and it's not. So whatever you give position and permission to be truth in your life, if it's a lie, it will bind you up. And that's what Jesus wants to reveal those lies for what they really are. To set you free. The rule number eight is very interesting. Thou art not entitled to laugh at us. This seems weird. Why would you make that a rule? Um, you take yourself too seriously. You know, you're, you're afraid of being judged. You don't want to be judged. You want to be perfect. You don't want anybody to notice. Um, so what you're, you're doing is totally conforming. Everybody has the same hot dishes, the same bars. There's no dust in their houses. They can't have people over unless everything's perfect, you know, because they're afraid they're going to be judged. They have very limited skills in hospitality because they're always taking themselves too seriously. The same with, you know, the way they look. What will people think? Um, Mm -hmm. How do I look? How are we going to look? What will, you know, so mothers and fathers are making their children be little hypocrites because they just have to dress up perfect and cute and nice and well-behaved in church and, and on the way home. And on the way to church, you're all at each other and fighting like a little bunch of renegades. So, but so and 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 what happens too is they become touchy and they become it all. It's all about me. The minute you want to say something, even they they can't they don't find themselves amusing or funny at all. So the minute somebody wants to say something to them, it's taken personal, so nothing gets said, and everything gets twisted back to me. Whatever the topic, it be comes, you know. It can be some news item, and it can be turned around to somehow I did something wrong, or you're mad at me. This is so, um, so absorbed, self-absorbed, so not Jesus, so not the gospel. Number nine, thou shalt never imagine that anyone cares about thee. Well, if the whole world is hungry for love and is afraid of being too lonely, and, and yet we cannot even imagine that anybody cares about us, how are we going to receive any love? What, what a... What a horrible curse! That's rejection. You know, it's like it's a You're, spirit of rejection. rejection. Mm-hmm. A spirit. See, the devil is yeah. just in all the details of all yes. this. Yes. Yes. But you know, why uh, don't dare to think that somebody cares about you? Yeah. Right. What? Yeah. I mean, how yeah. is that way to live? I mean, you, you know, might as well end your life if that's the situation. Well, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Right. And, in the in the tenth rule, thou shalt not suppose that thou can teach us anything. In other words. We already know everything. We we're, already know everything. Don't, don't, you wow. know, we're, we're better than you. And, and so it's a twist. It's, it's on the torture rack. You have both pride and shame. You have both restrictions and limitations and insecurity and inadequacies. On the other side, you have perfectionism, performance, uh, self-righteousness, false humility, false pride, 
all of these things, or they're driven by the opinions of others. And ultimately, self becomes the idol. You know, mm-hmm. we, it, it, the, I think the best thing is to love yourself enough to leave yourself alone and die to Christ mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. live to God. So what Jesus' ministry is all about, his message is what? Power, empowering the people to know who they are, to know who he is, right. to know the truth, well, to know it, right. freedom. Freedom. But his message is the kingdom of God. Well, you know, these... so he he is basically taking yep. everything that the world yep. values, Ex- expresses, expresses, uh, thinks how it should be. Ex- that the greatest ones are the people that yeah. are, are lording it over yeah. everybody. Yeah. The or, whole system. It, it, the whole system is he, corrupted. It, Jesus is coming. He's flying against, against the, in, that flying whole in the face of the whole value structure the of the god of this world of the god of this world right the sermon on the mount mm-hmm. read it matthew Turn it, 5 turns 6 everything and 7 everything upside down that we're trained everything to believe everything is upside down mm-hmm. uh you know uh the poor in spirit the merciful those who are weep the weak they're going to be the ones who are going to be put on top yeah. according to the kingdom of god but going back just a second to the the leonto law this is this is not just restricted to Scandinavian people. However, let me point out a couple of things here that are very interesting. The the Vikings from the Vik the the Vikings come from the Scandinavian um, people groups. We're not talking about the football team, though. No, well, we could be. Yeah, but, that's, I think they they've got part of that. But that thing Viking going. spirit was, you know, uh, they were explorers of new worlds. They were brave. They were conquerors. They were confident. They adventurers, were adventurers, adventurers, um, taking risks. Yeah, they were, they were heroes. They were warriors, and after they came under the counsel of this Yantaleven or Yantala, look at what happened. Where are the Vikings? Where are the brave warriors of those countries of Sweden, Norway, Denmark? Where are they? Finland? Where are they? We don't know. They're kind of like <clears throat> got swallowed up. In the Germans and the Russians and the and the and the um, the Polish and the Irish, you know, because they have a little bit different territorial spirits, actually. But it all Satan uses everybody's gifts, everybody's abilities. Now, if your ability is to be an explorer, and to be a conqueror, and to be a winner, mm-hmm. and to complete your your uh, course with victory, and that is your call, Satan will hit you up and probably have you be born in a Scandinavian family where you're taught the exact opposite, the exact, guys, wake up. Wherever you are the most impacted with resistance and That's evil, gift is. that is the place of your greatest gifting and the place of your greatest calling. Our greatness comes from being able to pre- prevail against our enemy. And if there's no resistance and if there's no enemy, there's no victory. There's no battle. And so <clears throat> God is calling us out of great trials and tribulations to not only prove our our love for him, but to prove his love for us. Mm-hmm. Well, the greatness in the kingdom of God is is <coughs> is taking the lowest place. It's serving. Jesus set the set an example practically in washing the disciples' feet. Right. Right. So it was something that the lowest servant in the household would do. They came in. They had dirty feet. Nobody was doing it. Nobody was eager yeah, to do that. Not, none of the disciples yeah. stepped in to do it. So what happens? The leader steps in. Well, the, leader, <clears throat> the leader goes first. The leader leads. Uh, leads. And yeah. he leads by example right. and taking the lowest place. And they're just shocked. They're thinking, 
this is this yeah. is the Son of God. This is this is Jesus, our Rabbi, our teacher, yeah. our example, yeah. the one who's loving us, and He's the one that's taking the lowest place of the servant. Right. He shouldn't be able to do that because mm-hmm. that's really see they they still weren't quite getting the message about greatness. Right, Jesus was proving greatness uh, by by doing taking the lowest place there. They thought Jesus was showing greatness when he was riding on the donkey um through and everyone yes. was saying to the oh, son of god yeah. oh, you yeah. know and the the palm branches were waving and they thought that was a moment of greatness. And the moment of the moment of greatness was when he was on the cross right. suffering and they were crying out the yeah. religious people yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, despised and rejected him. And that was the moment of greatness when he, as a servant, mm-hmm. Philippians chapter 2, he laid down his life all, all the way. He, he, be, he humbled himself to and death. became obedient mm-hmm. unto death, even unto the death of the cross. And he didn't lose his identity in doing that. And the thing <clears> as is, a matter of fact, that really, uh, that battle he fought on the cross qualified him to be the victorious son of God, of the Most High God. So he wasn't an untried son. He wasn't someone who had the silver platter handed to him because he was God's son. He didn't have to fight for it. He came down here and proved his love, his worthiness um, to obtain that crown, that position, because of his willingness to die for us. That was the mark of his great love, that he's willing to die for us. What was he to get out of the whole thing? Well, hopefully brothers and sisters, but he also knew people would reject him. He also knew that they had to accept him. It was their free will to accept or reject the sacrifice that he freely gave to whosoever will. And so in this, we see the ultimate place of confidence. It was in his ability to die on the cross. Our ultimate place of confidence is to know that I'm not going to lose my identity by becoming my my worth, my value, my identity, my by becoming your servant. Being a servant is is tied up with what I do and what I do comes out of who I am. And so, um, in order to be a servant of Christ, you have to what? You have to really know who you are, that you are loved by him and that you are okay. Your, your name is written down in the book of life. When you know Christ as your savior and Lord, he loves you. He's gifted you. He's anointed you. He's he he will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. He will lead lead you through every path, every struggle, every victory. He'll lead you with his grace, faithfully mm-hmm. and, and, and faithfully. And when you know, when you know who you really are, and you know that you're loved, as as defined by the scriptures, yep. by God, by Himself, God. Mm-hmm. then you're secure in yep. Christ. And you're when secure, you have that yep. security, you know you can serve the Lord and others. Without the need, you don't have to have the big human recognition, the yeah. approval. You don't have. It's nice to get that sometimes, and it's okay. But you know, if you can, if you get approved for something that you do that's well, you need to def- deflect all the glory to the Lord. Well, it's right. And, and, and deflect to God it to the, the glory, Lord. Right. To God be the glory. Yeah. But it's by Paul said, "By the grace of God, I am what right. I am." But so when you know who you really are, and you're secure in Christ. That even in the in the face of um, great intense persecution, yeah. like we have and, now, and apparent failure, <clears throat> you're you're going to be okay. Right, you know you're okay, and and because looked, we don't judge ourselves, we let God be the judge of it all. Again, Jesus on I'm the cross, him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
on a cruel cross. He let God be the judge of what he was doing. Exactly. That looked like the greatest failure, the most colossal failure ever, but it was the greatest victory ever, ever. And in Hebrews eleven thirty two and thirty through thirty eight, the first part of verse thirty eight, talks about people that had great victories. Oh, they subdued kingdoms and they worked <laughs> righteousness and they mm-hmm. stopped the mouths of lions. Yeah. All those, and then so others were, you know, uh, wandered in caves and lived in caves and dens and wandered. They were afflicted, destitute, and tormented. What is chapter verse thirty eight a? Of Hebrews eleven say of whom the world was not worthy. He yeah. says, they were, they were the greatest. They were among the finest in, in, in all on all creation, and so recognizing that, you know, the greatest people in the kingdom of God are those who serve. The greatest is yeah. is, is is serving, and serving, serving involves there involves. Well, let's let's talk about like. Uh, what does it mean to be a servant at all? What what does that look Lay like? Lay down your life in the body of Christ today back. and beyond. Obey it's, God. It's a matter Walk of in yeah. Faith. And yeah. If God so loved us, First John three sixteen through nineteen talked about uh, talks about Jesus laying down His life for us, mm-hmm. loving so much that He laid His life. And so if Jesus well, laid down his life for us, we should also lay down our lives for, for the one. brethren. doesn't mean somebody's going to blow our heads off because we're f- true for, to Christ, that might happen. But it's a matter of being able to, through love, uh, Paul writes, serve one another. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it goes down in, in being a servant of all. Jesus is what he, the greatest is the servant of all. Part of that, too, is loving our enemies. Right. Not Forgiving only, them. Not loving only them. loving mm-hmm. those who love us, mm-hmm. but loving those who, who hate us. Well, when we, find out who we really, when we find out who we really are, we find out it's not really about us at all. And it's about him to live as Christ and to die as, as gain. Yes. And in him, we live and move and have our being. So true identity is knowing who we are in Christ. And it is Christ in us. The, we are the vessel. Uh, Jesus wants to live his life through our lives. That's where we get true identity and true power and ability to love and forgive and, and be what God Christ calls us to be. So, Father, we just thank you again for that great calling, that for our children who are yet in the midst of trying to figure out who they are, in the midst of this great assault of lies against them daily, constantly being fed by lies and expectations of this system, this world, the God of this world. Lord, let their hearts and minds be protected to know who they are and to come out of this thing knowing that they know that they are loved and that you are with them and that they are not alone. I pray the same for us as adults, that you would cause our hearts to walk in the fullness of joy and peace and rest, knowing that you have got this and you are with us and we are not alone and we are loved. Help us, Lord, to serve you faithfully and to love one another to love one another in the body of Christ, in truth, in truth, and to love those who um, don't love you yet, those who even are against us. Because, Lord, we pray that we will just be like you in every way. Amen. Loving and serving. Amen. For your glory. Mighty warriors, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location?
because there's a war for your soul.